Hi guys, it's James here from Optics Warehouse and welcome to our latest podcast. This one is a special edition podcast. Uh, I am joined today by Kira from the WHFTA, uh, which is um, obviously the, the World Hunter Field Target Association and it is a, an event that we are sponsoring in September. So Kieran, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me guys, it's, oh, a, yeah, it's a pleasure. It's, yeah, fantastic. I um, understand obviously you've travelled travelled quite a distance today, especially. especially it it could have been worse, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, so... Um, so yeah, thank you very much, very much. Yeah, for it's a pleasure, good, to good, good. Uh, all we're going to do today is obviously go over a bit about what the WHFTA is, what the event is coming up, obviously in a, in a few weeks' time. Obviously, your background on it, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Just like obviously how you got into shooting, all that, all that, all that jargon. Really, there'll be no sort of structure. We'll just have a have a little chit chat. Mega, yeah, mega so, let's go. But first, first and foremost, just um, yeah, if you just like introduce yourself, where you come from, what you do, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So uh, my name's Kieran Turner. I'm one of the uh, WHFTA team, I'm one of the organisers, um, raw volunteers um, that run the World Hunt Field Target Association, which basically organises the World Hunt Field Target Championships every year. Mm-hmm. So it's coordinated, it's basically, it's turned into event management and all that sort of stuff that came with it, which is none of our backgrounds, right. but we cobble it, yeah, we really, really cobble it together. And this year... Um, we're really privileged that we've managed to. It's an incredibly difficult year, year economically for of people, course, yeah. and we've managed to slam up 324 participants. Oh, fantastic! Which, in terms of numbers, is actually the biggest air, outdoor air gun competition oh, in brilliant. the world, which is yeah. nuts. And yeah. we're supported by the shooting industry, so like you guys, yeah. we've got various other uh, manufacturers, in particular air rounds, are probably yeah. like the their standout one that yeah, yeah. supports and things. And they typically sponsor us, like you guys, with. Prizes, yes. As opposed to monetary, th- uh, any sort of monetary uh, contributions, uh, we generate all our own revenue from people coming and competing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that money comes back in, and then yeah. we put on this event with a shoestring budget <laughs> and the best will in the best will yeah, in the world, yeah. mate. Best will in the world as yeah. much as we can. So, no, no, yeah. fan- fantastic, fantastic. So, so just. I had a quick chat with you, obviously, a bit of your personal background in the shooting, obviously, so you're involved with the, the WHFTA now, obviously, yeah. just to talk about how you, what you've done in the past, what you've what you done. Yeah, so, um, like most people, I started with an air gun in my back garden, yeah. and then there was something called HFT, I'd just started, yeah. and it was just a little bit of, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, because I think it's important to understand kind of where, how the modern inception of HFT has kind of yeah. come about. Is it was very briefly it was started by a chap called Pete Sparks, who um, took the HFT format mm. and basically unified it and distributed it out, yeah, so yeah. everybody was kind of playing on the same song sheet. Because there was like in the UK, there was lots of clubs doing their own little offshoot of it, yeah. and he kind of glued it together and then created a national series. And then subsequently, on the back of this national, the success of this national series, the WHFTA was created to right. spread it out on an international level. Yeah, yeah. Um, so back to back to your question. So um, I started HFT when I was fourteen. Yeah. So like, basically, it's mo- most of my yeah. most of my adult life I've been yeah. doing this or dipping my toe in and out. Yeah. Um, I got okay. I got good at it at one point. I was I was pretty pretty competent, and then uh, kind of life got in the way, and yeah. I kind of come back. Uh, I've sort of navigated back around to it, and thought yeah. it'd be good to kind of. Sort of give back to something because yeah. I gained a lot out of it yeah. from um, like the skill set sort of thing, the social aspect, and the ability to communicate yeah. with people, especially like a young adult. 
yeah. for, like that skill set that I managed to pick up is mm. phenomenal. And it's, we see it time and time again, so no. I'm just kind of give back. But one win the answer, mate. But yeah, no, 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 absolutely no. As I say, that's what we're here to we're here to learn, obviously, that sort of stuff. So we'll just talk, obviously, a bit about the championships itself. Yeah, obviously. So um, uh, you have to, again, you have to forgive my naivety and this sort of stuff. It's really not my area. Mate, it's absolutely, you, you ask a question, I'll do my best so to answer it. Just talk about obviously when the event is, how long the event is, and what sort of disciplines. Obviously, obviously, we don't get the HFT discipline, but I'm talking about obviously. Is it just strictly PCP? Is it brake bowers, springers, all yeah, that sort okay. of stuff? So, so um, the event is in uh, on on seventeenth and eighteenth September. Mm-hmm. It's at Western Park, it's in Staffordshire, and it's actually part of uh, Western Park Country Fair. It's a game fair, right. so it's kind of a bolt on, and it's both a bolt on and an amalgamation into that. Right, and we work really closely with the guys at Western Park mm. um, that allow us to put that and give us this massive footprint to put something on such as this. Because yeah. I cannot reiterate how how much value that brings mm. having the having the space yeah. and the infrastructure it just it it costs thousands yeah. and to have that for basically nothing it's yeah. phenomenal it allows us to give it give us the platform launch this um and like i said before there's 324 competitors coming along uh, yeah. different classes so the classes that we have is pcp yep so which would be the open classes 177 pcp yeah. uh rifles recalling class Spring gun, yeah. so brake barrel, underlever, everything in yeah. between. Got the junior class, which is from anyone from nine mm. all the way up to fourteen is where our junior, uh, yeah. so our juniors end. Sorry, anything up to sixteen is yeah. where our juniors end. We've got the ladies class. Yeah, uh, we have two two, and we also have a veterans class. Right. Uh, so two two is yeah. either two two or two five, and yeah. it's people that do that okay. special. Okay. The special people. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, special, special yeah, humans. Yeah, that's fine. So I gather, obviously, one seven seven is the majority. Of yeah, yeah. So uh, rough, rough count. Me and Pete was doing the the entry list last night. I think it's sixty five percent one seven seven PCP. Yeah. Um, across all disciplines, so that's still quite. You've still got thirty five percent there either doing uh, like the recording class, yes. two two class, which is a healthy chunk. But yeah. Vast majority. And it's all, I, am I correct in presuming, it's all sub 12 foot pounds? All sub 12 foot pounds, no, yeah. So it's all sub 12 yeah. foot pounds. At the moment, there isn't the market to start moving it into the FAC okay. sort of world. And yeah. one of the beauties about HFT is because of it being sub 12 foot pounds, yeah. it makes it pretty damn accessible yeah. to people. Like right? people can go into their local gun shop and they can they can purchase one of the necessary checks are there. Yeah. Purchase a rifle and they can go to the local club and they can start getting involved yeah. that way and then come all the way through. Whereas from the FAC point of view, it's it's more difficult to attain. It takes yeah. more effort to get it. It's a ball like it is, is. <laughs> it's depending on what your effort like what region yeah. you are. I don't know what your guys like effort and um, flow at round, yeah. like round here, yeah. my neck of the woods it's like it's yeah. Slow. Yeah. It's slow. It's, I'll be honest with you, it's diabolical around here. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. admittedly, and obviously, there's certain events that have happened down here. Obviously, actually, the date that we are recording this today does actually happen to be a year since what happened in Plymouth yeah. last year. So it's obviously that sort of stuff. They're not really going to help with Devon and Cornwall because Devon and Cornwall also took on Dorset as well. It's a big footprint, so, mate. Yeah, it's massive. Big footprint. And you think, when you think how many shooters are in the southwest, it's, it's massive. The same. Yeah, it's like the same, same as Yorkshire. Like, Yorkshire's got exactly, yeah. a lot. A lot, a lot of shooters, but yeah, you've got like two fellows or something, or whatever they're called nowadays. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, anyway, I digress. So, sub 12 pounds, mate. Yeah, sub 12 pounds. Okay, that's fine. I suppose, obviously, I say if you do move into the FAC, going on to that sort of 
legality side of things, they'd have to be a bit more stringent. Obviously, who can transport what and where? And yeah, it's the, the dynamics. And I'll just say now, we have no intention of no. pushing it out purely because of that. It's um, not risk versus reward, but effort versus reward. Yeah. It's like, well, we put that much effort in and not you get 20 people. Yeah, yeah. Whereas we can put a substantial amount of effort in and try exactly. and get 320 to up to 360 people in the same place at the same time. So, so let's go back. So as you said, obviously, with Sub-12, anyone can go into obviously, a shop, yeah. buy a rifle, buy a scope, whatever it needs to be. So in terms of the world competitions itself, do people have to qualify for it or is it literally just uh, anyone? No, it's, and this is one of the beauties. It's, it's At this point in time, it's one of the beauties of it. Mm. If it ever gets to the point where it becomes that we've got thousands of applicants coming to try and yeah. do that, we'll try and, we'll try and accommodate them. Mm. Well, there's got to become a point. There's yeah. got to come a point, but we're not there yet. No. So we're not there. So what? It, anyone can enter mm. as long as they've um, they complied with Section Twenty One. Yeah. Fire and law. Um, yeah. Twelve sub twelve foot pound rifle. Anyone can compete. Our advice is that you've got. Our advice to competitors is don't come and just turn up. Yeah. And have a crack at this one because yeah. it, with it being that top end, mm. top end competition, it yeah. will be difficult. Yeah. And trying to get into the flow of things and trying to learn more, like take it will. It'll take away from your experience. Our yeah. advice would be yeah. club, uh, club competitions, regional competitions, yeah. and then national competitions. Yeah. That. So anyone competes. So from beginners, beginners can come along with a bit of experience, right up to people that have been doing it yeah. for the vast majority of their adult life. So what that creates is you've got people that are right at the top end, mm. and they are they are phenomenal shooters. Yeah. They are to take a one seven seven shuttlecock that's moving. <laughs> Uh, what 800 feet per second and then yeah. try and hit something the size of a five inch piece yeah. outdoors yeah. consistently yeah. it takes it takes a phenomenal amount of skill yeah. and these people can kind of rub shoulders with each other yeah, yeah. as well so that, that ability to learn off these people you've got a direct conduit you just walk up to them yeah. oh, what did you do there why are you using that yeah. how how do you do this and, and that transfer information and the bottom end the, it's not meant derogatory but the bottom end shooters can then yeah, Transcend exactly. Yeah. Far quicker, far that's quicker. It. So, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So it's, that's one of the beauties of it. No, absolutely. Yes, I say. I, obviously, say former colleague John. Obviously, say world FT champion, yeah. eighteen champion, all that sort of stuff. Um, he never used to shut up about that. Did he not? No. Shocking. Um, yeah. Shocking. Every single video. Where's the humility, mate? Yeah, exactly. Every yeah. single video he insisted on putting it at the bottom of the video in the description. So yeah, I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, um, yeah, he used to say how. You guys always used to bounce off each other, always learn from, from each other. Yeah. Or go say, all right, okay, what did you do there? How can you improve that there? Okay, what what, what options, what what gear are you using? How are you like, in, amalgamating that setup together? Because obviously, yeah. I, I can only relate in sort of like, obviously using hunting rifles, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Every single rifle is going to be different, isn't it? Every so it's Obviously, the way it yeah. reacts with certain pellets and obviously the way, maybe the specific optic you've chosen, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be individual to your setup as to how yeah, you create it's an incredibly like across all shooting, mm. any sort of shooting that I've done, um, like from air rifle, center firing stuff. It's rifles and optics are incredibly individual yeah. things. There's obviously going to be specific rifles and specific optics that are te- that are far better suited than mm. others to a particular discipline that you're trying yeah. to use. Um, that passage of information from like the top end shooters and more seasoned shooters to yeah. uh, the the people that are newer to it. Mm. It cuts down that it cuts down that learning curve, and it cuts down the amount of money that all the go spend and try and yeah. um, essentially waste money. Not, yeah, kind of waste money on something that probably wouldn't be that well suited yeah. to things. Um, typically, I'm trying to think what the typical 
that's a kit everyone uses, like as we call it like a base rifle. Yeah. Maybe a, an Air Arms 400 is a really good Yeah, I was going to say that's Because yeah. it'll, that, that'll take, the, there's people at this end mm. that use them mm. and win. Yeah. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the rifle. And same with optics and things like that. There's the, the people that, there's people at this end that use the op- same kit. Yeah. The people at that end and all that sort of jazz. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, no. I have to say, I can understand what you mean on that. So I'll go back to go back to springers because I'll say, you have to excuse me. I'm just going off what John's told me in the past. So obviously, going back to the springers. He loves a good springer. Yeah, he's just like obviously he's using a TX200, which yeah. is like it's not an expensive air rifle. Not in the grand right. scheme of things. No. Obviously, yes, he's customised the stock, all that sort yeah. of stuff. And whatnot, but I remember from obviously when I used to work in a gun, sh- in, I was gun shop days. Like if you wanted a decent sort of underlever air rifle is either going to be well the majority of the time it's going to be a TX200 because it's, it's, it's sub 500 pounds for an air rifle yeah, yeah. so it's you can't really go wrong but now you look at it especially like in the PCP side like obviously you've got like your your FX your style like two nearly three grand sort of stuff yeah. versus like, and then you look at the Anship stuff as well it's like it's a lot of money to be spending on on an air rifle when something that I can see as you say can do exactly the same job as maybe that's like if someone were to buy a Melvira HW100KT or something yeah, like yeah. that. So it's it's the same sort of thing. It's just it's interesting to perceive obviously what kind of kit is really used out yeah. there. So the way the way that I kind of expl- um, try and explain the kit disparity because yeah. the people at the top end you rightly say they they they'll use typically styre yeah. and shorts air arms derivatives. Yeah. They're, they're kind of the, the ones that mm. dot around that work, that, yeah. that realm. But also at this entry level, people mm. will look at people and like, oh, they're using this and using this scope and all that yeah. sort of jazz. The thing is, with the people that do this, they've spent that amount of time with that rifle, yeah, yeah. and they know it inside out. Mm. And it's just that, particularly with the styles and the anchor, it's all the, like the Alutech type yes, rifles. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. is this is where there's similarities to the um, the firearms world. Is that these are modular systems. Mm. So what do you get from modular system? Modular stability. You can yeah. move them in and out. It's not. That the inherent action is mm. less accurate than an Air Arms S400. Yeah. It absolutely isn't. It's the fact that you can tailor it. Mm. You've got loads of accessories. If you look at um, PRS, the amount of stuff like, is it, uh, like MDT, they're, yeah. they're the kings of those stocks and things like that. Yeah. The amount of adjustability. If yeah. I go back, what, 20 years, mm. mate, yeah. you've got no adjustability. Yeah. Like in anything, you've just got a standard stock, maybe yeah. wrap a bit of in a tube around it, you've got a high cheap piece. Yeah. Done. Same with the fire animal build. Yeah. And you've got all these adjustable things and that's why those yeah, systems yeah, no, are used far more. Yeah, completely, yeah. And so you're absolutely right. As I say, you go to the PRS, PRL, that sort of stuff. They do that. <laughs> Big ticket money, yeah, mate. It is. It's massive stuff. Yeah. Like you look at like the, let's say the MBT, um, it is just literally like, it's like a Meccano set. You can yeah. just change whatever you want to on it really. But, um, but no, as I say, obviously, it's interesting to obviously hear what kind of rifles you use. Let's get on to the really important stuff. I mean, what kind of optics are you seeing out there? Obviously, optics, right. I will, oh, I, I will say, I, say, I hate referring back to him again, but John was just striker, striker, striker. That's That was his delt yeah, striker. Was, yeah. That's what he loved. That's what he got with it. I've spoken to him in the podcast before, obviously, how he went on, how he went on from, um, oh, is it like the... Nico, big Nico. The big Nico, that's it, yeah. yeah, all the way through. Yeah. And like the Golden Eagle, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Golden Eagle, all that sort of stuff. And then how he decided on the striker is the best. Yeah. Um, now, it's my understanding with HFT that once you set your magnification, it's correct, you can't change it from between targets to targets. Yeah, that's, is that correct? That's or? right. So the, the basic concept is that you um, zero your scope at a particular distance, whatever that is. Um, you set your magnification and you set your parallax. That's it. You're not touching the scope throughout mm. the entirety of that competition, and yeah. you use um, 
essentially hold over an old Wonder. So yeah. in relation to where the pellet strikes, in relation to your reticle, yeah. that's how you do it. Um, much more simplistic than the FT side of things or like the center fire where you mm. down up and down and you need it. Typically you need a far, far more basic optic yeah. than you would that. You don't need the repeatability of mm. going up and down and traversing. But mm. anyway, uh, scope wise, you can use anything. You literally can because of the way in which you're using it. But if you were, if I was to be saying which are the most popular across all spectrums, I think you've at entry level, like up to 150 quid, you've got loads. Yeah. Like Hawks are probably in there at yeah. the moment. Um, the lower end opt designs, if you come into the mid range where you're knocking past the two, mm. what I would class as mid range, two to 400 back. Yeah. Optizan CP, Hawk Air Max, 10 to 40, they're the kind of the yeah. ones that we see. Past that, will you oyster make? Yeah. Like you can go Vortex, March, Loopholes, yeah, yeah. like just go with it. But the one that kind of fits the middle ground would be, uh, you guys have it, the SWFA. Yeah. The 10 to 40. Mate, that, yeah. for that, for me personally, if anyone wants to go buy a scope mm. to do this, yeah, that would cover everything from starter to right the top yeah. end, that's the one. Right, I know I'm not trying. That's not a plug. I've got no, no relation. No, no, I've absolutely no. That. I've got no relationship no, with SWFA yeah. at all. Um, no, but yeah, they are, in my opinion, the best. I imagine it's more from the fact that it's it is a fixed mag scope. Yeah, there's no faffing around. You don't have to worry about too much. It's yeah. there. You bring that family where you can yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting you mentioned the CP. Obviously, yeah, we don't like it in the podcast. You say we don't like to say too much about specific products, but obviously the CP was released sort of early 2020 from memory. Yeah, yeah. That's Have right. you seen that come more and more on THFT? Yeah, massively, yeah, sir. Massively, it just ticks all those boxes. Small yeah. objective lens, fixed yeah. magnification. Yeah. Uh, the reticle's incredibly usable. Yeah. It's, and the price. Yeah. Like, right, it's, it's right in that exactly. thing where you could, like the, like former world champions use the damn thing. Yeah. So that, that yeah. speaks volumes. Exactly. If they're using that sort of stuff, yeah. and everyone else, yeah. yeah. I think um, one of, Simon was involved. Simon Van, he was involved. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, he was involved yeah. in, uh, yeah, helping officers out with that that's it, exactly. Not that he tells everyone. No. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't really know. Or the yeah. signature was on the bottom of it. Yeah, make so. <laughs> southerners from telling you. No, no, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> um, so obviously you mentioned you know, SWFA. That's the one. So we'll talk about your particular setup. I'm, I'm going to guess on what you said. Is it an air that you've got and you're using an SWFA on top? That's uh, just hazarding. No, I, I have them up to yourselves so for. The, unfortunately, I don't manage to get shooting that much right. anymore <laughs> because of work-life commitments. The stuff with that WHFTA yeah. has turned into yeah. um, almost a part-time yeah. job. Um, it's a garden that just continuously needs tending, and that's the same yeah. for the rest of the team. So I don't manage to get shooting. But for I have um, styes, the LG 100, yeah. uh, LG 100 and 110, yeah. um, SWFA, yeah. and then I've also got a March oh, right. uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit. That is way above yeah. what you would need for any of that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff but it is traversed it, that is going to be moved on to a center fire yeah when the variation comes through mm. if it ever comes through that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah seems to be the case yeah. across some across stuff but it's it's good obviously you come on center fire so you know you've done a bit of center fire shoot so we'll go slightly off the whfta yeah. sort of situation well i suppose it's linked in a way anyway because obviously pellets are made out of lead yeah obviously you know where i'm going to go with this absolutely go. um as a deer stalker myself it is an absolute pain in the, I can't say what is on here, but it's a pain in the ass to actually try and find copper ammunition. Yeah. It works well because personally, I don't think it's ethically sound. Um, I mean, I'm using, I say a 243, 270. Yeah. I use a 270 on a red 
with a 130 grain soft point Maybe lead. The amount of expansion. Yeah, exactly. Energy that's transferred. Yeah, and I know with it's a lead dead. shot, it's going down straight away. Yeah, I've shot a couple with copper and they ran on 60 meters and I'm just not happy with that at all because it just doesn't, as you say, expand as much. Yeah. So do you think, obviously, as you obviously shoot a bit centre fire yourself, how do you think the copper transition is coming on? And obviously then, how do you think that will affect the air gun? My, my personal opinion is that because it's still in dispute, this is not finalised and this mm. is a narrative that we all need to kind of twist away from. This is not in the sand. This is not done deal yet. Yeah. And there's a lot of consultations that are happening. We've mm. been in, uh, WHFTA have been involved in consultation with the NSRA and HSEQ. Yeah. We've supplemented our findings. And in a nutshell, um, the ammunition that's available now mm. will, is is substandard. It's not. It's yeah. fundamentally not actually safe to use. You can yeah. like a standard off the shelf rifle would at uh, twenty meters will go up inside a five pence piece. Yeah, with pretty much most pellets off the market. These damn things are like lead free alternatives. Mm. Three hundred like three hundred mil. Yeah, at twenty meters, and that's how fine it is. It's common with what the NSRA have found. Yeah, we took it out a little bit further, fifty meters. You're not mm. hitting anything. Bloody hell. It's not safe. Yeah. And then if you were to then try and use that for hunting as well, once again, you hit on it. Yeah. It's not ethically sound. No. It's absolutely not ethically sound. Yeah. And then where I personally sit, and that's not the views of WHFTA, yeah. I think it's just a it's another very narrow um conventional narrative to just yeah. go for. It's an easy win, isn't it? And again, mm. it's not a conspiracy it's not a conspiracy theory or anything like that, but guns are typically bad things, yeah. bad in inverted commas. Um, and it's an easy win, isn't it? Mm. If you just go this and they're saying, uh, ban that in with um, being greener, mm. which is a buzzword again, and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with trying to make the planet a better place and understand the human impact yeah. on it. But when you look at the actual impact of what this is potentially doing based on a single study, yeah, it's, it's it just makes no sense. You're no, about no. to decimate what's the shooting industry and... <laughs> UK worth two billion. Two point two, I think. I saw that. I think yeah. um, Bass quoted two point two billion. So let's yeah. let's cut that by ninety percent. Yeah, the economic that uh, the people that are making these calls don't mm. understand the magnitude, in my opinion. Exactly. Very narrow-minded, but no, no, yeah, no I, can, I can. No, it's it's, it's fair. It's, it's it's good obviously to get your opinion out. As I say, as you were based, obviously up on X was a mm. lot of shotgun game shooting as well. Yeah. Which is well. Um, it's certainly better than some of that rubbish you get up north anyway um, but, <laughs> but, but um, mate, I'd agree, I'd agree <laughs> that, so. um, having said that it is the glorious 12th of the day so obviously I do feel for the boys out in the water oh. sun, <laughs> rather than, than me um, I've seen it more and more because I get involved a lot with that when obviously when I'm not working obviously you see these eco wads you see these steel shots coming through obviously mm. yes it's okay for the people that can afford expensive guns that have got steel proof barrels is- but if you've got someone that like I don't know like a Farmer blogs. He's had a side by side for the past thirty odd years. Oh, he can't go shooting now because he can't put steel shots through his barrel. Absolutely, so it's it's stuff like that. It seems to be, as you say, economically going in the wrong direction. Mm. I mean, yeah, planet saving, all that sort of stuff. But I generally don't see it as a, at the moment as a good option. No, I, I personally don't. I think it's. I do think it's look. It's just looking through a singular lens. It's this. It's. I kind of see it similar to. Similar to electric cars. Mm. Bear with me on this one. That's so, um, is that it's great to have these electric cars. That, yeah, mm. everybody should have electric cars. Mm. Great, save the planet. Absolutely. However, driving an electric car mm. and maintaining it and having to successfully like run it mm. requires infrastructure. Mm. Infrastructure increases how carbon footprint when I'm at, say infrastructure. I'm talking about cabling from substations, bigger substations. And 
Think about how many terraced houses in the UK. So rip up your, rip up your roads. Yeah. You've got to rip up your roads now yeah. to install this cabling, and we haven't got any power generation no. facilities, so we have to put them. So let's think about that cam footprint there mm. at this end, and not just look at it in this box. Mm. And I think it, I personally believe that both the lead, the lead-free ammunition, the electric cars, mm. look through this lens. At some point, it probably will be worth doing. Yeah, but you've got to put the infrastructure in place, and that infrastructure comes at a price mm. that people just don't want to discuss. Exactly. Let's just discuss the, the thing that's yeah, in this lane. That's it. That's, that's that's kind of the best analogy I can give to Yeah, it. no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm getting an electric car. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's it. No, it's um it's it really is interesting how it it does, as you say, you can analyse it with, with various different aspects of life. I just it seems to be the common denominator does be to seem this whole climate change impact saving saving the planet. Which don't get me wrong, I'm all for it's certainly my personal view on it. But as I say, you've got to you've got to take the bigger picture on it. Yeah, definitely. Open your eyes. Open yeah. your eyes and be more, far more objective yeah. and exactly. Uh, yeah. exactly so. Um anyway, oh, yeah. we've we've digressed so slightly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from from ammunition to, to electric cars, yeah, it's um it's gone on. Um Okay, Kieran, um, thank you very much for coming here today. My pleasure. Um, really, really good to have you. Very, very informative, as I say. Hopefully, like I say, I love learnt a bit. I think Tom, the cameraman's learnt a bit as well. Um, anyone interested in, obviously, the WHFTA, uh, they can visit the website, which is... Uh, www.whfta.org. You can also find us on uh, Facebook, at WHFTA. Instagram is WHFTA underscore HFT. If you've got any questions... Drop us an email, admin at whfta.org. Excellent stuff. Of course, guys, say if you do want to sign up next year, it is on that website. Yeah, it's it? on the web. All the information's there, yeah. mate. And just uh, yeah. any questions or if you've even thinking about like yeah. getting starting your own like airgun journey, yeah. drop us a drop us a mail. We'll yeah. put point you in the right direction, we'll put people in the right place for clubs and yeah. all that sort of stuff. We'll yeah. put you in contact with the right people, hopefully. Fantastic. Hopefully. Fantastic. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. So, Kieran's very kindly come down here with us today. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you next time. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Any questions, as always, you know where we are. We will see you very soon.